I want you to look at Psalms chapter 90 and verse 8. The Bible says, Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. Pay attention to verse 9. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Verse 10. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Now verse, verse 12, I want you to pay attention to. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. This is interesting. Psalms chapter 90 is a prayer of Moses. And boy, you can see the fear in his voice. He recognizes who God is. God is in control of all things. When I was in high school, I heard a girl say, God's in control of life and Satan's in control of death. That is a lie. All power is given to God. And no power is given to anybody unless God grants that power to them. God controls the very breath of life you have. Even the atheist, when they express their foolishness, God has given the ability to do so. But here's the interesting thing about this portion of scripture. It's the prayer of Moses. Moses explains life as a tale that is told. This illustration, though, of life can be interpreted in two ways. Check this out. Life is a story that is compiled over years. Spent here on earth, through death, it is then told. Or, life is simplistic as a tale that is told. It begins with an unknown path and ends quick as it begins. Life is short. Life is unpredictable. After this compelling illustration of life, you know, Moses concludes the subject with a request uh, to God. So teach us. Notice what he says. He says, God, teach us, verse 12, to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to consider wisely every day we have here on earth, whatever we have left. Someone once said, life is what happens while you're busy making plans. So true, isn't it? We, we can get so consumed with um, the non-important things of life that we lose track of what life is often really about. And it seems like Moses has it laid out for us. It's time to do as Moses said. Verse 12 says, teach us to number our days. Consider each day we have left. I tell you what, nobody wants to talk about funerals. Nobody wants to talk about death. I feel the same way. But I have to inform you, Joe already knows this. When it comes time for me to die, do not bring flowers to my funeral, okay? I'm serious about that. I do not want flowers at my funeral. I know that sounds weird. I want balloons. Honest to God, I do. I want helium balloons. I want balloons everywhere. When they walk in, they're going to go, what's going on? Is this a party or is Dave dead? I just don't, I don't want it. I don't, I, I Flowers die fast. They got that funky smell to them. You may love, how many love the smell of flowers? Put your hand down. <laughs> I, want, I want balloons. No clowns. Clowns creep me out. Something about clowns. Kathy, no offense. She dresses up like a clown. Not every day. <laughs> that came out very wrong. But just for our carnival for vacation Bible school. You look great. There's other people in this church that dress like clowns. We'll go on. There's certain people I don't want at my funeral. 
I don't. And to name some, do you want to hear them? <laughs> Richard Hartman. I'm just kidding. You can co- let him come to the viewing, but not the funeral. No, we need Richard. He's our sound man. If we didn't have him, I wouldn't have no sound or you know, music at my funeral. We need that with balloons. When it comes time to die, you might have a lot of requests. You have a lot of things. When you close your eyes in death, it doesn't matter anymore. And you might say, you better do it this way or I'll come back and haunt you. I'll haunt you. I'll hunt you down. Honey, you get married again, I will haunt whoever you marry every day of their life. You know, you hear all kinds of stuff. I mean, the subject of death is so unusual. I want to draw your attention to James chapter 4 and verse 14. It's on the screen. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Moses said, your life is a book. And when you take your first breath, you begin writing your story. And that story ends the day you close your eyes in death. But for the rest of us, it's an open book. Everybody that looks at your cold, pale face knows the way you lived. They know your tale that was told. Because the only thing you leave behind is your testimony. You might leave your riches, but the only thing that really matters is what people think of you. How you affected their life and how you've changed it. And so let me draw your attention to this passage of scripture with that in mind. James chapter 4 and verse 14. This passage of scripture is written to teach us why we are to consider or number our days as Moses said. Why is that so important to consider each day you have? James chapter 4 and verse 14 is broke down in five different ways. You have an introduction, we have a title, and three points. Perfect for any preacher, you know? So I'm going to use that to my advantage, and maybe it'll help you out this morning. So let's begin with the introduction. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. In other words, you don't know what tomorrow holds. If we knew what tomorrow holds, we would change our decisions the day before. I mean, we'd have everything lined up. I'm not going to take that road because we're going to have a traffic jam. We're going to have a car wreck here. I'm not going to give my kids that toy because I know they're going to drive me crazy. I already know the future. You don't know the future. Only God does. So you have to live today, as some preachers say, as if you're going to die tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow holds. Do you realize that the very disease that could take your body to the grave could be rushing through your veins at this very moment? The flowers that could decorate your your coffin or even your grave may be blooming in the hothouse. You say, whoa! You know what I say? Tell me how you feel next funeral will go to, because that's the only time we perk up and listen. Everybody goes, why talk about that? Why talk about the very fact that the very hearse that could take my body to the graveside service may have the gas in it right now? Why talk about that? You know why people don't want to talk about that? Because they don't want to live in the reality that life will end and I got to do something with my life that matters. I got to count my days and use them wisely. We are filled with a world of fools that are not spending their days counting each day and say, may God get glory and I receive good. And we laugh and chuckle at the idea that I could die. Hmm. If you think for a moment you're too young to die, walk in the cemetery, there's as many short graves as there is long. I got news for you. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. 
with this in mind, I, wanna, I want you to notice the title of James chapter 4. Kind of get the introduction here. Unpredictable life. James chapter 4 and verse 14, we continue to read. It says, for what is your life? You know what's interesting? The title is a question, but the points are the answer. He said, what is your life? You don't know what holds, what's tomorrow, but let me ask you this. What is your life? If people were to look at you right now, they would tell you what they think about your life. But what they say after you're dead and gone is totally different. It really is. Everything changes. Pastor Joe was in a funeral yesterday. I was in a funeral the day before. It seems like churches are made of three particular things. Babies being born, people being put to death, not literally, but dying, and people getting married. All three of those are part of life. Some we don't want to look at. Some we don't want to experience. But this is the way it is. But when we look at life, you have to ask yourself the question, what is my life? What is your life? What are you known for? Are you a deadbeat? Are you an amazing man, amazing woman? Have you changed the world in some shape, form, or fashion? Do people like you? Do people hate you? Are you annoying? Do you know when to quit talking? Do you know when to start talking? What are you known for? Do you have a testimony? Oh, yes, at church, but golly gee, when I go home, nobody knows who I am. If I'm a believer or a non-believer. Where are you? What is your life? Well, it's being written right now. You are having your life put in a book as I speak. Here it is. Here's some things to answer the question. James chapter 4, verse 14 gives us three things we should consider when we, we come, when it comes to our lives. What is your life? He said, your life is even a vapor. What is your life is even a vapor? What does that mean? Life is fragile. Life is fragile. A vapor is a fragile thing. James uses and explains vapor to illustrate what life is. It's, it's interesting that there's three forms of water, but he chooses vapor. You have the solid form of water. Why didn't he use that? Why didn't James just say, life is like water? Well, there's a reason for that. Because liquid, water, H2O, uh, can cause endless destruction. It's very powerful and aggressive. You may not think that, but... It, if you ever had your basement flooded, you'll be like, I hate water. But you got to have it. It makes you live. Floods, typhoons, tsunamis, tidal waves. 25,000 people died not too long ago, some years ago, in the tsunami that hit South, the southern uh, Asia. Horrible catastrophes. We experienced catastrophes in our church on a lower level in our basement when it used to flood here at the church in the Sunday school department. Oh, here we go again. Get the wet trivax. Water can be very powerful. People have been known during a typhoon to hold on to a tree and it break every bone in their body. But James says, no, no, no. That's not what life is. Life is a vapor. Well, what about the solid form? What about ice? It's just as deadly. It's just, it's strong as well. We know hail damage is very aggressive. It tear up a car, tear up a roof. How many have experienced hail damage? Too bad. I'm sorry for you. It's horrible, isn't it? And that's why we got insurance. But when you think years ago in the early 1900s when the Titanic was sailing and 1,517 people died because the iceberg was barely peeking out of the water. That's a solid form of water. Ice. But he says that's not your life. Your life is the third form. It's a vapor. You see, vapor 
is always present around us in the air. You can't see it, and when water is boiling, the water changes liquid form to gas or water vapor at some point when it's cool, and then it's a small cloud, almost like you would see in the sky. Interesting thing about that, you can wave it away. As easy as you swing your hand in the air, that vapor dissipates. He said, that's your life. It's not ice. It is not the liquid form. It is just like the vapor, a fog. When you walk into a fog, you can't see anything around you. And then when you step into it, everything starts clearing up. And just as science says, vapor is one of those things that's all around us. And until the temperature changes, until things start happening, at sea level steam is formed at 100 degrees Celsius and 212 degrees Fahrenheit. It's there, but when the temperature changes, something happens, then you see it. Death is the same way. It's all around us. And then a circumstance takes place, and then we see it. And it's so fragile. What is your life? Your life, my life, it's fragile. It's tender. It's easily taken from us. Mrs. Peterson, what a precious lady in our church in Tennessee. Her husband helped me out with all kinds of youth activities. Got a phone call and he said, my wife just passed away last night. I went over to the house, I walked in the yard, and Clinton Peterson, one of my boys in my youth group, standing in the yard, sobbing, about 13 years old. Mom held everything together. And I came up to him, and I didn't know what to say. All I did is hold him and cry and cry. And his dad said to me, he said, she rolled over, she gave me a hug, she breathed in and breathed out real loud and was gone. She was young, in her 20s. What is your life? I'm going to tell you something. It's fragile. It is so tender, so quickly taken from us. David describes his life, his body, in Psalm 73 and verse 26. He said, my flesh, my heart faileth. But God is the strength of my heart. And my portion forever. Hey, I fail. This body's going to decay. It's falling apart. Losing hair. I told the men the other day, I grew out my beard until yesterday. I had it all grown out so you guys would know I'm not Pastor Tony. People get it mixed up. How do you get that mixed up? Look at these, boys. <laughs> Put that on the record. Let's not tell Tony I did that. But Ellie was looking at my beard, and she goes, what's all that what stuff? What's that what stuff? My daughter really doesn't talk like that. It just sounds good. I said, Ellie, I, it's gray hair. It's coming out. Thank God I'm bald. I would be a gray-haired man. No offense to you gray-haired men. There's wisdom in that. Amen. I wasn't talking to you. There's wisdom in that. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, I just don't want to get old because my body's falling apart. This eye has been twitching ever since I got sick three months ago. It just won't stop twitching. And then yesterday, I'm dizzy. I can't walk, and I'm falling all over the place like I never drank before, but I felt like I was drunk. I'm falling all over, and I'm laying on the couch, and Bree's holding, like I'm in the hospital. She's, check, check your blood pressure. Let's see what's going on with you, and just lay there. Brian, you don't, Brian, you don't have an idea. You don't have a clue what you're doing. I mean, I love you. I'm CPR certified. Got a, I got this card. I can put bandages on legally. She's checking my heart. She's checking me. Woo. And, I, and so he said, well, you just need to drink a lot of water. You're dehydrated. 
I'm down in water. And Christian just said this, my, my son, you're just old, daddy, and you have to accept it. I am decaying. Life is fragile. We fall apart. I was talking to my cousin on the phone, and he said, I said, Adam, man, dude, you got to do insanity. We're doing workout. I'm loving it. It's changing my body. He's younger than I am. I mean, he's only like 31. And he said, Dave, I did it one time. Honest to God, he said, I was doing those jump things, that boom, boom, jump in the air, touch your... He said, I did it like four times. I was on the floor, crawled to my bed, and was in bed for three days. <laughs> three days, honest to God. Ain't that funny? I mean, it's not funny he was in bed, disabled, not able to go to work, feed his family. But it is funny. We're just getting old. And there's no way around it. Life is fragile. The Bible says in Job chapter 24 and verse 22, no man is sure of life. Second thing, he said, what is your life? It's not only fragile, but he goes on and says, that appeareth for a little time. It's short. Life is short. I've told this story maybe six years ago. I don't know how long ago it was. And I was in college, Bible college, and a friend of mine named Doug Keppel sit in our freshman class. There was about 300 students there. And I knew he got in a big fight with his mom the night before. It was a big old fight on the phone. We had pay phones. Y'all remember pay phones? Yeah. Thank God we don't have those anymore. You can find them. But he was on the pay phone in the dorm talking to his mom. They got way into it. Got off the phone, never, think, never got things right. <clears throat> went back to the dorm during class. He went back to the dorm, called his mom, said, I'm sorry. Went back to class. Next day we're in class, the freshman class, back to the class. Somebody came down the aisle, tapped him on the shoulder, and I thought, oh, great, Doug's in trouble. I mean, this is, this is not good. He leaves. Find out later on that Doug's mom had a massive heart attack the very next day. And the last words he told her was, I'm sorry. Man, she was young. How short is life? It's here. I'm gone. I went to that funeral. I'll never forget it because his little brother, just a little bitty guy, is the one that found mom. After she passed away, found her in the bed. Changed his life. Devastating. Young life. Life is short. It appeared for a little time and then vanisheth away. I've learned, a man once said, I've learned that you should always leave loved ones with loving words. It may be the last time you see them. That's so true. I've heard of couples getting in fights. Husband gets in the car, speeds off and gets in a car wreck and never able to get that thing right. That eats at that person for the rest of their life. Looking that spouse in the face, in that coffin for the rest of their life. Life is short. So let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you. Hey, I want you teenagers to look at me because I love you. Life is short. So consider your rebellion. Life is short. So consider your facial expressions the next time they ask you something that's so simplistic that you think is so ridiculous. Life is short. So consider your anger over something so simplistic called a tablet or an iPad or a phone when they just want to see what your text message was. Because a thousand years from now, it's not going to matter. And 30 years from now, you're going to wish they did a lot more of that. There are so many times that children will walk the aisle and teenagers and look at their parents in the face after they're gone. 
and literally want to grab them and say, Forgive me, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't think it would happen that fast. But we don't think about those things, do we? Until it's too late. It's a short time. Life is short. So call somebody that you haven't called in a while. Next time somebody comes to your mind, send them a text message and say, I'm thinking about you. You don't talk to your mom because you moved away. Don't talk to your dad. Call them more often. Send somebody a message, an email, something. Because before you know it, you don't have that opportunity anymore. Life is short, so hug your kids. Life is short, so when you're annoyed and you just want them to go to bed, crawl in that bed and hug them, the little bitty ones. Life is short, so when you look at your teenager and they're about to get in their car and they're not the most experienced driver in the world, whether they like it or not, give them a hug and say, I love you. Let me tell you something. I have learned when I was a youth pastor that teenagers as well as people in their 20s don't really get alarmed about how short life is until they see one of their friends in the coffin. And they're packed in. I never forget the day and I see mom and dad crying until they can't cry anymore because they're 13 year old boys in a coffin and 60, 70, 80 students over here that were in this club and over here is 150 other students all there because they're not used to seeing death and not used to reality that life is so short. And watching that guy, that little man, because he's still a little man, get buried. Life is short. Life is short. It's a short time to live for God. A preacher once said, only one life to, will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Life is short, so you got to start living for God. You ain't living for God. Get on, the tr- get on the ball. Hey, hey, don't wait to teen revolution to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Don't wait for battle for balance to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Don't wait for Pastor Tony to preach his next message to say, I'm finally going to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Live for God as if you're going to die tomorrow. Short time to live for God is a short time to win souls. Can you stand in front of Almighty God and say, I've done nothing for you. I have not one soul to say that I led to Jesus Christ. Life is short. Are you leading people to Jesus Christ? Matthew chapter 9 verse 37. Then said he unto his disciples, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the labors are few. All the way back 2,000 years ago, Jesus is going, who's going to go? Who's going to tell? Who's going to preach? Where's the next Sunday school teachers? Where's the next preachers? Where's the next missionaries? Where's the next bus captains? Life is short. It's here and gone. What are you going to do with it? It's short to live for God. It's short to win souls. And I tell you, it's short to invest in others. I've learned a long time ago, investing in people starts at this age. Because people will listen. Teenagers make a difference. People in their 20s make a difference. People in their 30s make a difference. Children make a difference by what they say. You have a very short time to have an influence on others. Timothy had an influence on him. Paul changed his life. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. We know he spoke unto Timothy, his own son of the faith. Who are you investing in? Let's put your coffin down here and find out how many people look at your face and say he's done nothing for anyone. You want that? What is your life? Your life is even a vapor. Pureth for a little time. Life is short. A short time to invest in others and a short time to lay up treasures. 
You will be judged one day, and so will I. And when the books are opened, what will be said about your life? Have you done anything to lay up your treasures in heaven? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Lay not up yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and, and rust doth corrupt, and thieves break through and steal. The thieves broke through and stole our church van. The rust went over across the street at my house when I brought brand new, brand new patio furniture, and the next day it was rusty. This is the world we live in. You want to invest in that? you got this much time to lay up treasures in heaven. What are you doing with it? Life is short. You only have one shot at life. So what are you going to do with that one shot you have? If the demons were to stand here and have a meeting with Satan, this is what would be said. Satan would probably analyze everything that's taking place. He'd probably express how concerned he was that there's not enough abortion or homosexuality raging through the streets, people murdering and stealing, theft. And then the demons would look at him and say, we're doing a pretty good job. Things are going really well. I mean, death rate's up. I mean, because of murder? Hmm, it's not good enough. Because even Satan knows he has a short period of time. He said, we've got to do more to change this world for the negative, not the good. And they think and they think, and I'm sure this would come up. One of them would pull out their iPhone and look at the clock on the iPhone and say, that's how we're going to do it. The time. Let's just convince everybody they have plenty of time. Sit on the couch, waste their time. Sit on Facebook, waste their time. Time. When's the last time you liked something somebody did in person instead of on Facebook? When's the last time they actually heard your voice and said, good job, thank you for that? Put this down and open this up. Life is short. It vanisheth away. Life, number three, he teaches us. What is your life? Life is sure. Do you realize that vapor can only be there for so long? And then it dissipates. It's gone. Your life is sure to pass away. And I know we don't want to hear that, but 1.78 people die per second. 107 people die per minute. That's un unbelievable that 6,390 people die per hour. 150,000 people die per day, and 56 million people die a year. Life is sure to end. It vanisheth away, the vapor. You know what's sad? We don't think about it until death is in our face. That's when we start thinking about life. And the surety that we are going to die. Do we have to put death in the face of each one of us to say, I need to prepare. I need to be ready. What is your life? Your life is sure of death. Consider this. Your life and your death. Let me ask you this. A community may never have a post office. And a community may never have a Walmart or grocery store. But I can promise you this. Every community, every community will have a cemetery. Whether it be small or whether it be big. Because there's no doubt when it comes time to die, every man, every woman, every child will meet their appointment with death and they will die whether they like it or not. Because it is appointed under man 
wants to die. For what is your life? Is it even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away? Life is sure to pass to death. And let me tell you something. Life is sure of judgment. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. Because it's not just judgment, it's eternity. And you will either spend eternity, as the book of Matthew says, in heaven or in hell. I hate funerals. I hate death. But I must embrace the idea that I am going to have to face it one day. Because life is sure of death, of judgment, of eternity. Matthew 25, 46. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. Eternal hell, eternal heaven. What is yours? What is your life? Can I conclude with this? Psalms 90, verse 9. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as the tale that is told. The Bible says in the book of Revelations, chapter 20, verse 12, the books were open. What are those books that are open on judgment day? The books that are open on judgment day represent your tale that's told. It's your life. On the day you are born, it is written. And when you die, whether you be a teenager, you be a child, you be an adult, and God will have those books open, and they will read from there. The things that were evil and the things that were good. And every point of your life is written in that book. And when they close the coffin, the book is closed too. And your story is through. What is your life? 